0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and I'm really excited about today's episode. I know I probably say that a lot of times, but I'm being sincere because for this episode, I got to talk with Chris Owen, who is the Director of Product Management over at Savian. The reason I brought Chris on is because he recently built and launched a competitive program over at Savion, but what was particularly impressive was his time to value, He only joined the company in January and being in charge of competitive was only a portion of his responsibilities, yet he managed to have that program live and serving over 120 sales reps within weeks. In the episode, Chris explains how he built this business case for the competitive program to his execs the tactics his team used to crowdsource intel and get that early buy-in from leaders and sales reps, and then advice that he has for others that are dealing with the common challenges that come up in the early stages of building and then launching a competitive program. With all that said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I'm excited to be joined by... Director of Product Management at Savian, Chris Owen. Chris, how are you?
1: Hey, Adam. Good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to have you on today, actually, because what we're going to be talking about is how you build a business case for your competitive program, how you get buy-in amongst different teams as you're launching it, too. And Chris over at Savian is in charge of their competitive program, and he's been doing exactly that. So how, how long ago did you arrive at Savian?
1: So January this year. Um, so it's uh, four months, four months ago. So four fairly months. quick and I, I think where we've got to is fairly impressive. Yeah, That's crazy.
0: That is crazy. that yeah, time to value and the fact that the program is up and running now like it's open to end users and whatnot, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we're fully uh, fully live. We've got about 85 registered users on there so far and quite a lot of content
0: the ability that you've managed to have this competitive program up and running so quickly, I wanted to kind of dive into, first of all, how you did that. And then the biggest difficulties that you face and you're still probably facing, I'm sure there's, it's not smooth sailing, even once you're up and ready and then advice that you can give to listeners that are, uh, they're going to be in the same situation that you've, you faced four months ago and that you face now. And I think there's gonna be a lot of good advice that you can give to them as well. So you arrive at Saviant, was taking on this competitive program, one of your primary roles from the get-go?
1: Um, it's an area that I've got interest in, I guess, you know, we've done it at a previous organization, so there was a natural fit, you know, somebody coming in that has experience of doing that and, uh, definitely something that the organization needed. So kind of almost fell into it a little bit, but had prior experience. So you've
0: got you've got this interest and you can sense like immediately that this this needs to be this needs to be implemented within the organization.
1: Where where do you start first? For me, the, the start was analyzing, you know, what what's out there now. So not just from a content point of view, but knowledge internally within the people. And also then looking at Salesforce, you know, what's our win rate? What's our conversion rate? Who are we really competing with? And what level of understanding do we know about those competitors? After that kind of analysis, it was really down to the, the business case and uh, probably the smoothest business case and the quickest business case I've ever submitted. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've never experienced anything that quick in my career. Um, primary reason is We exist in a market where we have five distinct functional areas of capability. So five different lots of software, five different sets of competitors. And you add that all up cumulatively and we've got around a hundred competitors. Yet you look at what material exists, you look at people's knowledge and you can count the number of competitors you really understand on a single hand. And that for us meant we've got a big knowledge gap it meant that we're not really competing with who we think we are in certain markets because we don't know how to compete with them as well. So the business case for us was, okay, we've got this much knowledge in these competitors, but actually there's this entire gap here that we don't know about. And we think we're competing there, but we're really not.
0: How do you go about really measuring that and like presenting that in the case too? Was there like when, when you say there's like 100 competitors, was there, did you show like, we, we don't know about 60% or 50% or was there almost like a scale of like, we maybe 10% we're really confident on, 20% we're so-so and then there's just this vast landscape of just, it's almost this like a black box.
1: Exactly, yeah. And that comes down to the correlation of data within your SFDC instance, your Salesforce instance, you know, looking at who we, Truly compete against realistically, it's a handful of competitors. And does that mean that our go to market strategy in the other products is not right, or does it really mean that we're not competing in them because we don't know the area? Um, so, we had to do the correlation of like this is existing material, this is where our skill sets are from a staffing point of view, this is who we're competing against, these are the gaps. And it came down to, you know, a 60, 70% gap of of knowledge um, that we identified, you know, if we were to go down the route of building a CI program, implementing a CI tool, the first stage is the base understanding of really what the competitive landscape looks like, what their go-to-market messaging strategies are, what products they have, what are the strengths and weaknesses, that type of
0: thing. So in terms of presenting that to the execs, you mentioned that this is one of the smoothest business cases you've been able to present, is that because you were able to just so, like clearly show where, where you're lacking currently? Like what what was the key thing that really like won, wins the execs over in that scenario?
1: Uh, two things. One is, you know, I think you can't argue with data. So we, we built it on data. You know, this is our win rate. These are the markets that we exist within. This is who we compete within. And the other is really showing the value of a platform, you know, what it is, what is it we want to achieve? And we set seven objectives that we wanted to achieve in the program. And those range from a number of things, you know, centralization of the existing content, sugar-free messaging, you know, I think that's a key thing for us is let, let's understand our strengths and weaknesses in this play as well as our competitors. And let's really start the enablement bit in enabling our sales organization to go out there and have these conversations and be confident in what they're saying.
0: So let's say someone else is in a situation in a completely different company, a different industry. What's one piece of advice that through this process that you built that you'd give to them when you're saying you need to win an exec over here What's something they're going to look for? Because I think that that's something that could be a, a hurdle for a lot of people when they're trying to actually build out this
1: case and saying, this is why you should care about it. Yeah, definitely. So really pay attention to data and think about your conversion rate. You know, what is it you're actually trying to achieve? Ultimately, it's an increase in your win rate. How are you going to do that? By analyzing the data and the difference between what you have now, where you want to be, and then predict an increase in win rate based on that. And that that's essentially what we did. So we used some industry metrics that looked at our win rate now, looked at the differentiation in the number of competitors and the different markets that we're in. And then we predicted that hey, if we increase our capability in these areas and knowledge, this is potentially our win rate at the end of it.
0: Do you supplement any of that data with qualitative or anecdotal feedback at all? Does that Does that add a bit of color or context to it?
1: Massively. So um, one of the first things we actually did was survey the user base. So we sent out a survey across our sales and kind of pre-sales organization to get an understanding of where they feel their knowledge is at from a competitive standpoint. And this is something that we're going to run every three months just to be able to track the metrics, show that our KPIs are actually working and that people's knowledge in competitive is improving. So sent the survey out, got a bunch of feedback. And I think the the typical things that came back were, hey, we know loads of information about this one competitor. We've got hundreds and hundreds of PowerPoint decks, but we don't know which one's right. And everybody's modified them, have done different things. And knowledge is in people's heads again. So all the feedback kind of built in, or at least validated our, our case that hey, we've got a, a group of great people with some great knowledge. We just need to fine tune that and bring it all together.
0: What did the competitive intel actually look like at your company? So if I'm if I'm a rep looking for a battle card, I'm an exec that wants to see this. You're giving me a smile here. For anyone listening to the podcast, he's, Chris is giving me a <laughs> wry smile when I when I mention this. If you're an exec looking at the competitive landscape, what would that have looked like?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's interesting. And I, I want to be careful in what I say, here, so not to say anything too bad, um, but it, it, it was interesting. You know, like I mentioned, 100 potential competitors out there, we had a lot of material that focused on two or three competitors, but it was very feature function right? The, the deep analysis of the technical capabilities of, of competitors. And, you know, for me looking at this from a CI point of view, I wouldn't ever expect a salesperson to go and have a deep technical conversation on competitive differentiation, because you're soon going to get asked questions that you just can't answer. That's not in your role description. The, the other challenge that we had is loads of decks, loads of presentations, and there were different dates, different uh, version numbers, very similar content, slightly modified. But you never really knew what was accurate and what wasn't. They were distributed all over the place individual laptops in our kind of shared drive areas. So, very distributed, I, I would say. So, you know, the one of the key goals, one of the seven goals was purely centralization of content. So it's about consistency, but also, you know, thinking about our internal users who we think of as our customers, our clients. It's about their user experience, you know, making it as frictionless as possible for them to know where to go for the most up-to-date stuff that you can validate as being accurate. And that involved us doing a number of things, you know, moving away from the typical feature function kind of comparisons and really elevating the conversation that our sales teams had as well.
0: That, that user experience is interesting because that's a, that's a big part of the competitive program. It's not useful unless your end users and your reps and whoever actually involved are using it or being a part of it. And like I mentioned at the start here is that your time to value, like you launched this competitive program very quickly and efficiently. What were some of the steps after you've built this business case, you've identified the problems? You've, you recognize that you want to centralize Intel. What's, what's that next step to start to bring in uh, end users?
1: Yeah, so the, the first thing that we did was literally centralize all of the existing content, gather it all together, analyze what's there. And we very quickly discovered that this didn't really meet the battle card framework that we'd set out. Um, You know, We wanted to move away from feature function and more into an elevated conversation. But we also realized that to get rapid time to value, the quickest thing for us to personally do was to publish that content that we had. So we made the decision to um, what we call crowdsource Intel internally. So we published a number of different battle cards, the technical content that we already had. We validated it, um, rubber stamped it, made sure it was all up to date, and we published that straight away. And it meant that from a time to value point of view, within the first week, we'd actually published an entire series of, um, of competitors that we knew about internally, uh, kind of tribal knowledge, partner knowledge, etc. And then our crowdsourcing kicked in. So we created a battle card template that essentially we published to all vendors. And we started asking our internal users, tell us about this. You know, you guys are in the field. You know what you hear, what you see, and let's move away from feature function comparisons. Let's talk about what you're hearing out there. Let's start looking at things like Gartner peer reviews, G2 reviews, and see what other customers and partners of our competitors are saying as well. Outside of that, we ran a number of enablement sessions internally, so enabling our users on what the platform is. Um, We've done some fairly clever things with the platform. I'd like to say that I've not seen anywhere else. So we built an entire help system within a battle card that talks somebody through how to use the platform. And it's the first thing they see when they log in, which is quite nice. Um, And then we persisted with surveys. So we did our initial survey up front at business, um, business case time. We did an initial survey when we onboarded. Start to give us feedback. Tell us what you want in the platform. You know, this is there for our user base. There's no point in us dictating the content because we're forever in a cycle then of us providing and other people just taking, taking, taking. So I think we realized very early on in this process, the only way to get the value out of this is if people come together and build a community around it.
0: I, I love that idea of actually using battle cards to explain how, this is, how they can kind of get familiar with this competitive program and trying to shift that mindset from, I think you said that like take, 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 and that you just go to someone every time for all of the information they need, but that you also are part of the the process of giving because there's so much Intel in the field itself. With that said, I know that this is a really difficult proposition for a lot of people that are in charge of the competitive program. Those are some really good steps, but I'm sure there's still, an element of retraining the psyche or the mentality of sales reps to share intel that they find on the field, but then also coming to this competitive content and using it on a regular basis because it's not something that's been in their day-to-day workflow or their day-to-day deals. They're probably not really leaving Salesforce during a during a sales deal. Like that's where they're comfortable. So, how do you kind of bridge the gap, I guess?
1: Yeah. So I think the biggest struggle, and you hit the nail on the head, is actually sharing of data. So, this whole concept of us building a community is essential to this project's success. I hope I don't speak to that in turn, but a lot of, I guess, sales mentality here is what salespeople know is their unique selling point, right? It's what makes them the number one selling person in a region. And that may come down to what they know about competitors, how they position themselves against competitors and how they handle objections. So a lot of people are very nervous about sharing that kind of content because they think they're giving something up and sharing that with others that may beat them to number one rep. And ultimately, you know, that that trophy that you get at club at the end of the year. So. We've had to do a lot of work and get engagement buy-in from the executive staff, from the chief revenue officer and those type of people to really help us with the messaging and staff that this is something that if we get this right, this could enable the entire company to succeed. You know, it's all really well having these lovely holidays that you sometimes get in the software world, you know, President's Club, as they call it. But we want the entire company to go, not 10 or 20 people. And that's ultimately our goal. And that's what we're positioning. So, yes, it's been a challenge. There are numerous things that you can do with it. Um, You know, we've started rather than tackling the entire organization with enablement sessions, we've broke it down. We're attending the regional kind of weekly sales calls to talk about what they're saying in the region and also making it as easy as possible to share that data. You know, really, we don't care how we get it. You can put comments in the platform you can slack it to us you can email us you can speak to us direct but do share it and we'll get it in there and everyone can benefit from it
0: that's it's interesting that that shift from kind of me to we and building this kind of camaraderie almost like you're building like a team where people are collaborating with one another how, how many how many reps or sales reps are there at, at your company right now
1: so we have around 120 people in the revenue org.
0: And they're dotted across, I'm sure, geographically all over the shop, right? All
1: over. So across the Americas, across EMEA, America, and across the APAC territory.
0: Well, that, that thing you mentioned about being in some sales calls and being visible, how, how important is that? Because I think when you mentioned you've got so many reps and you're just trying to talk to all of them to buy into this collective, it could it can fall flat, I guess, if, they're, if this is just coming from top down, but there's no like face to it. And you're not actually sharing like why it matters to them. And I think there's, there could be something to that when you're like being present with these reps.
1: Yeah. And that, that's been a really cool thing that we've done. You know, we've got a brilliant CI team here. Um, so this isn't a one man show by any stretch of the imagination and it involves kind of product marketing, product management, and product specialists to, to really look at true differentiation and, You know, it's great that you could have a list of 100 product features that realistically you may do the same as competitors. You may call it something different. That's not going to win you a deal. So moving away from that and educating people on how you truly compete in in strengths and weaknesses and understanding what others in the market think of your competitors is really where we have focused. We attend not only the regional sales calls. We actually put ourselves on sales calls as well. So we'll quite happily be on a sales call, and we'll talk about our competitive differentiation, so that salespeople can learn from, you know, what we say, what we're putting into the platform, and really kind of practicing what we preach, I guess.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's really cool. I like it's it, it, it. I think it kind of lessens that divide. I guess you're saying like. We're using it too. This is how you can actually use it. It's not just kind of this theoretical messaging that's just put down onto a battle card and go go run with it. Like, is actual using there's value to it, and it and it's it works.
1: That's it. And I I think that's that's proved value. You know, once somebody sees um, the level of knowledge that they perceive you have, it's kind of like, oh, that's really great. Thanks for helping. You know, how do we know that? Well, funnily enough, we have this (laughs) platform. So, yeah, practice what you preach and uh, don't be afraid.
0: I want to jump back a little bit to uh, before rolling out this program, maybe some of the difficulties that you you would have faced. And this is something that I'm, I'm sure every company you've been at and I've felt it, too, is there's always like one or two people. That are like the oracle, that they're the go-to person for any information, be it on a competitor, be it on yourself. They're just like they—they they have the institutional knowledge, and everyone is just like, "Oh, you have a question? Go see Greg. Go see Mary." There's like these people. That's not really scalable, especially for a, a massive sales force like you have. What was first of all was this the case for you? Did you have this kind of? There's a couple people that just keep getting uh uh keep getting approached by reps or anyone on the org like asking for competitive intel and how do you kind of move away from that
1: i'm going to say yes and no <laughs> and this is really sitting on the front we have a fantastic technical team here but it comes from top down you know our ceo is on slack answering technical questions to things just because he likes to get involved and in, like deep engineering things which is strange but we have had, you know, instances where there's a reliance on a couple of individual people. And the issue is, for one, that reliance, you know, as you mentioned, it's not scalable. But two, it doesn't allow people to grow in their career and their knowledge as well. It becomes a bit of a, not a cop out per se, um, it's a bit of a harsher word, but more of a, i like, a I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I don't need to find this information out because somebody's going to do it for me. It's a reliance there. Um, but the key thing is scalability. And like, we, we want the entire company to succeed. We want everybody to succeed. So it's how do we flip that and really enable people to do that and consume that data in an easy to use fashion.
0: Is there anything else in terms of like advice you'd give to someone that's trying to get this buy-in beyond just being present in those sales calls? Is there anything else that you, you've done or that you'd recommend they do to really win someone over? I I, I guess there's that example that you mentioned before, like actually going on these sales calls. But is there anything else as well you'd add to kind of win win over people, I suppose?
1: Yeah, so definitely get champions. Um, So we built a a kind of a group of champions. So we socialized the CI program way before any technology purchase. you know, look, here's our idea, this is our concept, this is what we want. And really, this is what it's gonna mean to you. So we did that with all the sales leaders, the pre-sales leaders that we have within the organization. Once we got to implementation stage, we very quickly got those onboarded and started doing demonstrations to get feedback on the messaging and the type of content that we're putting in there. One of the other final things that we've done is um, we send out a weekly newsletter to our competitive base that really explains you know what we're seeing in the market competitive news you know publications things like that and uh as part of it we give shout outs to people each week so those who have contributed to the platforms those that have engaged us on calls etc and it it almost drives a bit of healthy competition internally you know everybody wants a shout out everyone wants kudos for doing something good so yeah i'd say that that's fun as well bring the fun element to it
0: Totally. That incentivization totally makes sense to me. I actually also like this idea of this weekly newsletter it's, and you mentioned, because a lot of the stuff we initially talked about there was uh, like very tactical battle card, hands-on content, uh, content. What can you do in this deal? How do you handle objection X or Y? That broader kind of, this is what's happening in the market. Is it something that's like a bit more that, that people are able to digest passively a little bit more and it's kind of building out their understanding of the competitive landscape of what the market looks like, rather than uh, just going to a handful of people for, can you give me the stuff that I need on a competitor right now?
1: That's it. And kind of industry knowledge gives you credibility, right? So we exist in a very fast paced, fast moving environment. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening, new products, et cetera. So for us giving that weekly newsletter, you know, of the top, six or eight articles you know this is what's going on in the industry whether it be products being released by our competitors whether it be you know reviews of them on public platforms that we're able to access etc but it just gives them that visibility and that knowledge and that credibility when they're then communicating with our clients and I think we've got pretty good open rates you know we can track all the metrics on who's reading um, how many people are actually following the articles, et cetera. So we've got some really good engagement through that process. With with this
0: type of newsletter, and then also some of your, your battle card content, what advice would you have in terms of, like you mentioned originally, it was just kind of feature function comparison, and you wanted to elevate that to a higher level conversations. How do you go about doing that? What does What does that content look like so that uh, a sales rep using a battle card or anyone that's looking at his newsletter is able to digest the information, but the information still actually is providing value. It's almost like a delicate balance, right?
1: Hugely. Um, so we made the decision to split out the battle cards and have multiple types of battle cards under a particular vendor. So when you first, you know, click on one of our competitors it will take you in and it will explain, you know, like this is an overview. These are the types of battle cards you've got. It will give you an overview of, you know, these are the areas that this competitor exists within. These are their products, um, strength, quick strength and weakness of each one. But then we've got a sales battle card very much focused on our sales organization. We don't want our sales organization to be talking feature function. So that's um, how do you spot a certain competitor in a deal? Uh, What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are the typical objections we hear when uh, competing against them? And how do we handle those? And what kind of landmines can we plant against them? What are our key strengths? On top of that, understanding where we've won against that competitor. So we pull in data from our Salesforce instance into there as well. So you can see recent wins, why we won, what are the key kind of bits of information that you should know from those wins. And I think for me, that's that's the key information that a salesperson wants at hand so that they can have a conversation. Quickly understand, okay, it looks like we're competing with XYZ competitor. Straight away off the top of my head, I know, look, this is where we've had success against them recently. This is why, let's repeat that messaging. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to lay a couple of traps in there as well so that we know that we're well-placed.
0: It's, uh, it's interesting too, in terms of, getting buy-in and usage you mentioned there that uh, you you have clear win stories on competitors and that comes back to that starting point when you talk to the executive like we have this kind of vast group of competitors that we kind of know are in the deal kind of don't know if they're like how will they're inf- uh, impacting revenue and it becomes this kind of cyclical thing now is that sell you, if you provide those real win stories against real competitors to sales reps then maybe in turn they're actually next time they're filling out their Salesforce uh, when they're on Salesforce they're going to say they're going to fill out that data that says these are the competitors we're up against this is why yeah. we won this is <laughs> you, I mean, is that
1: <laughs> how accurate is that or so very much so and actually you know it's a really good point that you you brought up because that's one of the biggest challenges right it's accuracy within um, things like Salesforce Salesforce so what we did we actually combined our ci program with our win-loss program we pulled the two together because we think that the two are intrinsically linked so first of all analyzing our data within salesforce you know looking at data hygiene within there looking at who we truly compete with making sure things like okay is the competitor field a mandatory field are the right competitors in there you know is it a full list of uh, 100 competitors that we're up against or not so We've had a lot of work to do at the back end as well. That um, people, a lot of people have been involved in, in making sure that everything is up to date, everything is accurate, that we truly understand and can report on win-loss. And when we do win, let's understand why we won. Let's understand why we lose. And let's try and get as much information out of those losses as possible so we can improve our stance.
0: That, that totally makes sense. In terms of that, that's been one of your biggest challenges to date. What moving forward as well? What are some of the things when you start to think? How can we uh, continue to elevate this program? How can we continue to provide value? How how can we continue to crowdsource intel? What are, what are the next sort of steps and what are the things that you that you you foresee as like some of the biggest challenges that you need to overcome? Yeah, cool.
1: So I think standardization of data. So in instances where we've took our existing technical content and put that into the platform they're in a whole myriad of different formats the look and feel is different and I don't know whether it's just us being you know so focused on everything has to look right but we want to have a consistent experience that is so easy for people to use that they keep coming back to find that information so our big piece of work now is standardization next big piece of work is let's expand on the list of competitors that we've actually published and next step after that is really driving further engagement so we're looking at all kinds of bits of technology to you know pop things up to our end users when they log in so that it gives them a refresher and kind of prompts them of hey are you seeing this person in the field um, you know what can you tell us about them etc Um, So just those gentle reminders that, look, let's not slip into old habits of just being a consumer. Let's turn this into the true crowdsourced kind of capability that we want it to be. And let's make sure we're constantly sharing. We are looking at ways of bringing further intelligence into our program. You know, there's only so much that you can gather from people that they remember to share with you. So I think You know, we're looking at multiple sources of data, whether that be ingesting kind of email content and things like that. Um, But it's we're still fairly young in our program overall. So I think, you know, the key priorities are let's get our key competitors in there. Let's make sure we've got parity across data. Let's make sure the look and feel is consistent, easy to search, et cetera. And I guess let's undo some mistakes that we made in the first place as well that's
0: the the standardization of data is uh, is an interesting one I remember I can't remember who told me this but we it was when I was first first starting the job and I was talking to people in charge of competitive programs and they they spoke to that as like the Starbucks experience and full disclosure I'm not a Starbucks drinker that much but you know what you're gonna get if I'm in Paris I'm in London I'm in Taiwan, you know what you're going to get when you get a Starbucks. And it's that kind of builds trust too, right? Like there's some consistency to it that you know what you're going to get when you see it in a a consistent format.
1: That's it, yeah. So, you know, key thing for us is as a salesperson, do you want to go into a battle card where you've got, you know, let's say objection handling, you've got 30 different objections listed No, because it's a big, long list of things for somebody to go in, somebody to search. So let's pick out what are the top things that we hear right now. Let's have a list of all the objections, but keep it behind the scenes. You know, nobody needs to be able to see all those things. So we're keeping it very short, very concise, um, mostly bullet lists. And as I mentioned, undoing some of the early mistakes. You know, we, we created a lot of this content externally at the start, and we thought, oh, it would look really nice in you know, maybe a PowerPoint deck. And then you kind of push that image into there. And straight away, we're like, we can't search that. It's an image. Um, so we're backing out of things like that. And I think they're just things that you learn alongside this process as you go through it of how best to, to serve your, your user community and what's their experience like? How do they easily find data? What's the search experience like? Can they search for the relevant stuff?
0: Is there any other pieces of advice you would give to someone? I think in that, in that, in those early phases, again, we talked about kind of building the business case first kind of moments when you're talking to reps and leaders and whatnot that you see is really important. I think you talked about getting early champions. What does that look like as well? When you're trying to get these sales leaders to buy in, because then there's going to be that residual effect of reps buying in as well.
1: for us, the the idea of almost selling this internally, we, we had to make sure that we knew what the value proposition was behind the platform and to be able to show what it means for them and their time. And the survey did us a whole number of favors at the start because we asked a very open question of, if we had a CI program, what would you want it to give you? Um. And we had a whole bunch of feedback. Um, So, you know, people wanting up to date information was probably the most common. People wanting to know how to position ourselves against certain competitors. And then one of the top ones was actually, we want to know market news. You know, I don't want to have to go and set up 50,000 Google alerts to look at all these competitors and then get flooded with data. So, when we started socializing it, we very much built it around what they'd asked for. So it was, hey, we can give you daily news that you can look at on your mobile device when you're looking at the morning news. You know, We can give you very simplified messaging that you can search whenever you're in a competitive deal, whether it's ad hoc, whether you're mobile in meetings, et cetera. Um, and it very quickly became a resounding success because it felt like we were giving people what they wanted. And that was really always our plan. Um, mm-hmm. But it was good to validate what they actually required
0: it's yeah it's a mixture because you do need top-down buy-in for obvious reasons but also yeah validating asking them what they want and trying to answer those questions as best as possible that's uh it seems like it's a it's been working well on your end and it's uh it's a recipe for for success i that's everything that i want to hit on is there anything else that you would that you want to share with anyone that might be in those early stages or a- anything at all that you'd like to share before before we hop off here?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the last thing that I'd say is don't be afraid to reach out to people who have done it. You know, nobody is an expert at standing up these programs. You know, the whole concept of competitive enablement is relatively new in the last couple of years. You know, that move away from let's just gather a list of features and functions to really kind of switch it around and enable your sales organizations to go out there and sell. So ask for references, speak to them. You know, people who have done this are more than willing, you know, from what I've found, to share information and share knowledge about what's worked and what's not worked.
0: That's That's great. It's actually really, it must be really validating for you, by the way, when you were talking about how you want to change that mindset to not just, I'm going to go to this person to give them information, but to be a part of it. And then when you do this survey, everyone's saying they want to know more about the market in general. You must have been, your your eyes must have lit up when you saw that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, for us bringing in those one or two people that knew everything that were the oracles of the companies, bringing them into our program as well, it's let's get all that info out of your head. Um, and it's a delicate balance, right? As I mentioned at the start, it's somebody's unique selling point. So it's how do we, frame it with them that look at the value that you provide if you enable the entire organization not just a handful of people on an ad hoc basis
0: great well thanks so much for your time chris there was a ton of island there and there's a ton that a lot of listeners are going to get from this and i really appreciate your time so we'll catch everyone next week
1: all right thanks a lot adam
0: Cheers.